0: Fomi was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy. No them. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. An important, busy week here in Washington, D.C. We have uh, the president being sick. He and his uh, his wife, the First Lady. I'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we have a Supreme Court nominee by the president to talk about. We have major revelations about... Voter list maintenance issues in Pennsylvania. You won't believe the information we have there. Uh, new information about the timing of records about the coronavirus crisis that they've been hiding from us for months. And uh, uh, an important revelation from uh, the intelligence community about the corruption. And yeah, it's about Hillary Clinton again behind the targeting of President Trump. In fact, I have so much here to talk about, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to talk about it all given the, uh, 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 the seriousness and the, really the broad scope of the anti-corruption and litigation issues that Judicial Watch is pursuing. Uh, for first up obviously is the news that the President of the United States, uh, President Trump uh, has come down with coronavirus uh and his uh his wife the first lady melania trump has also tested positive reportedly he's uh, feeling a little bit under the weather as a result hope hicks who is a close aide to the president uh, also reportedly has uh, coronavirus as well and so as you might imagine the media is um uh, very much interested in this all sorts of news about it uh he is the president of the united states and if he's sick uh that obviously is a concern to all americans so i'm sure i speak for you uh, in extending prayers and best wishes, wishes to uh, President Trump and, and uh, Mrs. Trump and the entire White House staff, who I'm sure uh, is uh, feeling upset and nervous right now uh, given the situation, I do hope the president is getting, and I suspect he is, because his medical doctor uh, had originally given him uh, had originally given him um, this anti-malarial drug hydroxychloroquine, showing that he's open. To other treatments uh, potentially that could uh, uh, help uh, lessen the severity of the disease. Now the media will tell you there's no evidence hydroxychloroquine works. Well, you know, they suppose well now there's more studies suggesting it might actually lessen the severity and the risk uh, to you if you take it. So there is evidence that it now works. Uh, but of course, the media is suppressing that. Uh, but I encourage you uh, to ask your doctor about. Uh, all treatment options about COVID. And uh, we can see that it needs to be uh, on the table uh, in terms of addressing it because uh, I don't know when the vaccine is going to come out. Do you know when the vaccine is going to come out? Let's say it comes out next month. Do we think it's going to be able to protect everybody? Let's say everyone is able to get it within a year. Do you think everyone it, it's going to work on everyone and protect you completely from the from? coronavirus? I don't even think proponents of the vaccine suggest that be the case. So in my view, you need to be sure to know about and have access to a whole a wide array of treatment options. And uh, of course, you've had this suppression of hydroxychloroquine uh, based on uh, really nothing more, in my view, than anti-Trump politics. And I'm tired of it. And uh, the coronavirus is serious if you're of a certain, uh, if you get it potentially, if you're of a certain age. And, you know, uh, I, I don't need to bore you. You've, you've been getting all the media on the risk factors associated uh, with heightened risk, uh, the heightened risk factors that you need to watch out for if you get coronavirus in terms of co- comorbidities and other problems you might have that makes uh, coronavirus more of a potential risk for you if you do come down with it. Uh, But uh, in many ways, despite the president getting coronavirus, the media uh, uh, being fixated on that for obvious reasons, you know, the coronavirus crisis has been long receding. And uh, despite all the hyperactivity you're hearing now, there's no reason to keep the country closed. There's no reason to keep the schools closed. Frankly, there's no reason even to restrict activity in the schools in terms of in-person Uh, in terms of in-person teaching Uh, and of course the the liberal media who hates President Trump and the left who in my view has been too many of whom have been rooting for coronavirus and using it as an excuse to target our liberties mess with the elections uh, destroy the economy suppress the economy Uh, they they're cackling Obviously, about the president getting it, and they're trying to turn his getting it into a scandal. You get, don't you love it? You get a disease, and you're the problem. A, a disease that is like getting the cold, as we're told, because it's so communicable. Making uh, making issues about mask wearing, despite the lack of Fauci-standard scientific evidence that masks work to contain coronavirus if you want to wear a mask i'm not going to get in your way but there's no scientific evidence in the sense they gotta they got the the study that we're supposed to say you know the type of study that they require all of a sudden for hydroxychloroquine to prove its efficacy there's no similar study that masks work in fact there's observational studies And frankly randomized studies that masks don't work to contain viruses so we're all being told to wear masks and it's more it's frankly more of a tailsman than any significant medical intervention in protecting the public health but that's almost like a side issue from the corruption associated with the suppression of hydroxychloroquine that nih and fda refuses refuses to pursue so many observers have suggested that people have died unnecessarily because of the suppression of hydroxychloroquine and obviously people may die unnecessarily in the future because of suppression of hydroxychloroquine i mean it's my view it needs to be studied carefully and deployed on an emergency basis I'm not recommending you take it. You got to figure out if you want to take it with your doctor or not. But don't let the social media get between you and your doctor on hydroxychloroquine because they suppress, I don't know, maybe I said something that's going to cause this video to be censored. I don't know. But they're suppressing, censoring hydroxychloroquine discussions on um on social media. It's unbelievable. And there's no scientific basis to suppress the discussion. Suppressing doctors talking about a potential medical treatment, it's political, it's political. So I'd like to think that we'll focus more on how to treat, hydroxy- uh, how to treat coronavirus, the treatment options out there that the media are suppressing. but I don't, I don't believe it's gonna be the case because they're so desperate in terms of their anti-Trump activism. I'm sure they're not going to allow anything to break through. And of course, the deep state medical establishment um, has been no help as well. So uh, uh, along those lines, uh, Judicial Watch had a victory on behalf of its client, the Daily Caller News Foundation, who had sued HHS to uh, try to obtain emails of Dr. Fauci and his top deputy, who his name is Mr. Uh, H. Clifford Lane, about the coronavirus, WHO, the World Health Organization, and China. And so uh, the interest was um, is in figuring out what was being said to them early on, during uh, as the pandemic or the threat was emerging. I'm interested in knowing about any lies that were being told. Was H- WHO? scamming us as well it's an important issue generally given as we're hearing today about the president the damage the coronavirus crisis and frankly the hysteria has done to our nation and frankly the world uh, so uh, we sued in federal court because our client couldn't get an answer under the freedom of information act because the agency, in this case, HHS, is the governing agency. Didn't want to respond as appropriately under uh, as appropriate under the law, which is nothing new. And then they did the search because of our lawsuit, and they found initially upwards of eight thousand responsive documents. And they, I think, they called it down to forty-two hundred responsive records. So what their proposal was, despite our asking months and months ago and litigating beginning months and months ago was to release the records at a rate of 300 pages a month to begin after the election. And by processing, that means looking at the records and then pulling the records they think they can uh, give to us from that batch, meaning we won't get everything even from those 300 pages that they initially review. So we complained to the judge about it, saying, look, we've asked for these documents, they've had them for months, and this is just not appropriate. So we got a partial victory from the court because the court judge, uh, who's the judge who's the judge on this case? Uh, U.S. District Court Dabney Friedrich uh, ordered HHS to be- begin producing the first batch of documents by and produce the records to us by October 21st. So the HHS process or uh effort to stall the release completely of the records past the election uh is not going to work out uh the court said no and so that was nice but on the other hand we are still having to wait for the documents to be processed at a rate that will get the full documents to us of the records they decide to release to us in 2022. so this is more of the same from the deep state where there are records that are important to the public knowledge uh, and uh, and almost always are seen potentially as benefiting the president, they stall the release of them. We see this with the FBI. We see it with the Justice Department. We see it with the State Department. And now we're seeing it with Dr. Fauci's NIH, or more specifically, the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases of which he is the director. Now the agency tells us that Dr. Fauci will have to review all the emails of his, of his before they're released, which will further slow down the response. So they've got this special process in place that is, I've, I've never seen before, that only the, pers- only the writer can review the records. I don't, that's unusual, it's unusual. So, um, I, can, so I, I just foresee a lot of withholdings here. But we have the president of the United States with coronavirus. There are concerns about its origins in China and WHO's shenanigans with respect to China. I mean, it's such an untrustworthy organization that the president pulled out and is going to stop funding for it, at least in part. And what's the response from the NIH or uh, HHS? stonewall slow walk as i said nih seems to be playing politics with the fauci emails the FOIA requested issue as as uh here concern records that are likely to shed light on the on china and ho ho's who's disinformation campaign on coronavirus frankly the stonewall seems calculated to undermine president trump while protecting WHO in China. Uh, so, as I said, we're representing the Daily Caller News Foundation, which does actual journalism, unlike a lot of the folks here in town. And the head of uh, the foundation, uh, Neil Patel, he said the following. People have every right under the law to see the communications between our government agencies, including Dr. Fauci, China, and the WHO at the outset of this pandemic that has killed so many Americans and destroyed our economy. We're happy that Judge Friedrich agreed with our position that the government should not be able to keep this information secret. However, the fact that the document production doesn't have to start until over six months after our lawful request and that the production will not finish until 2022 is a sad joke. It's amazing people still wonder why the American people has lost trust in our national institutions. The president's sick. NIH is in cover-up mode. The media and big tech are suppressing discussions about alternative approaches to dealing with coronavirus. Contrary to all evidence that the, the uh, pandemic is not responsive to, any shutdowns, school closings, social distancing, all the rest, we're still doing it. Even given the fact that the virus is receding in terms of its impact on the public on the public health. So there's a crisis here in Washington D. There's a crisis here in America, and the crisis is the government malfeasance, purposeful in terms of covering up about uh, the uh, origins potentially of this virus and in my view, the malicious tyranny associated with the shutdowns and the suppression of potential medical treatments for it. It's really outrageous. And I encourage you to read a piece in, a, on the, in the Hill today. It wasn't, it was published the other day that uh, uh, by Dr. McCullough is his name, is an expert, expert physician from Baylor. I think it's Baylor University. And he talks about what you should be seeking from your doctor in the face of the COVID risk. Great, great article, I encourage you to read it. And you won't see it in the mainstream media, but the, thankfully The Hill publish it, maybe we'll put a link up in the chat section or uh, in, in some of the material associated with this media, um, this video. So uh, a lot to going on, uh, we're praying for the president, Ah, uh, the left seems to be cackling at his misfortune or his health crisis, but we're not. Frankly, any any normal American isn't. Even uh, certainly, Joe Biden is is sending his prayers. I mean, that's of course he's going to do that. But the, the the hardcore left they've never they've they've used coronavirus to oppress us, and they see President Trump getting it as another opportunity to make a political point and to. Uh, frankly further suppress us so uh, we're going to oppose it we do our litigation and investigation to expose the full truth about coronavirus and so uh, we're uh, we're pleased by this court ruling and it shows you that we got to fight and fight and fight and fight in court so uh, I'm, 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 I'm let me let me go to the next one here takes me a while to move from one outrage to another because I'm still upset about the coronavirus cover-ups and the hydroxychloroquine craziness oh we had great news this week we had judge Amy Coney Barrett nominated by the president of the United States to fill the seat uh, that results uh, from the passing away of Justice Ginsburg Uh, she's a judge from the Seventh Circuit That probably is not meaningful to most of you, but she's an appellate level judge. Uh, It's a great record, a demonstrated record of being a full spectrum conservative. Uh, So uh, there's significant confidence that uh, she won't be someone who, when appointed, uh, will start going rogue in terms of conservative jurisprudence, uh, veering away from the original text of the constitution, veering away from the original meaning of the constitution making up law, rather than applying law. And um, so we're just pleased as punch uh, about this decision by the president to appoint uh, and nominate uh, Judge Barrett. Uh, In my view, it's a brave, wonderful choice by the president. I was honored to be invited uh, to attend the uh, ceremony or the announcement of her nomination in the Rose Garden last week and um, it was a great event. It was a great event. And uh, uh, this is the third Supreme Court justice that the president will appoint. Now the left is all angry because, uh, you know, they're trying to pretend that it makes sense for the president and the Senate, uh, both of whom, both, of in, both institutions of which are joined, uh, controlled by the Republican party, should decline to fill the seat. That's not going to happen. I and mean, anyone who says that it should happen is just, is just being silly. Of course it's not going to happen. And the only question is, is it going to happen before or after the election? And it's pretty clear the Senate now wants to push this through before the election, which is fine. Justice Ginsburg's nomination, uh, the time between she w- when she was nominated and confirmed, I think was 42 days or so. Uh, Justice O'Connor was only 33 days or so. So this whole nomination process the Senate can do within minutes, practically speaking, if they wanted to. In my view, given the way Kavanaugh was treated, I attended the Kavanaugh hearings, you may recall that. I attended the, the initial hearings and then that horror of a hearing where uh, they smeared and tried to destroy him and his family, the leftist senators and their allies on the outside through lies and false allegations. Uh, I saw the smirks, the, the sneers, at kavanaugh as he was obviously very emotional, trying to defend his uh defend his reputation and his good and and his good family, it was awful and given what happened at those hearings, why have other hearings? Do you think they're going to be helpful in terms of helping any senator figure out how to vote? Is the public going to be educated about judge a maybe Conie Barretts Judicial philosophy in a way they already aren't educated. Senate hearings aren't required to confirm a judge or a justice of the Supreme Court. They're actually kind of a new thing. It started, I think, the first Senate hearings on judicial nominees or Supreme Court justices were at the beginning of the 1900s. So, I mean, they managed to appoint judges, justices, without these committee hearings. Now, I say that knowing there's going to be a committee hearing, but I'm trying to highlight the point that the committee hearing. Does not benefit the public interest here. It doesn't educate the public. It's a vehicle to try to destroy this woman. They already are attacking her over her religious beliefs because she's a traditional Christian, traditional Catholic, more specifically. And the left is just outraged that President Trump is going to further firm up the conservative, emerging conservative jar- majority on the court. And, and, um, uh, Justice Barrett seems like a wonderful person, you know, so she's got this judicial temperament that everyone agrees is significant. Uh, But she's a, I think she's a former Scalia clerk. clerk. So she knows um, about constitutional conservatism. You know, she's she's been a professor for many years uh, and obviously an excellent uh, judge for the last several years as well. Uh, So she should be able to get confirmed quite easily. And and it's to the credit of the Republican majority that they're not playing political games uh, and, and are committed to filling the seat. So what should you do? You should call your senators to let them know what you think about the nomination, how quickly it should proceed. And I know many of you think, well, my senator doesn't agree with me on it. Well, you should still let them know what you think. So I said before, phone calls matter. It matters, even if the phone doesn't get picked up. It matters. The Senate is very attuned. Member offices in the Senate are very attuned to feeling out the temperature of of their constituents simply by the volume of calls coming in. If the phone's ringing a lot, they notice it. If they're shut down, they notice it. I'm not telling you to cause disruption. I'm telling you to exercise your God-given right as enshrined in the Constitution to petition your government and let them know what you think about Justice Amy Coney Barrett's nomination, how she should be treated, and uh, because the left, you bet, is calling. And that's their their God-given right, too, right? Well, just because your side, you may think, controls the process, that they don't need bucking up, that's not true and you should thank senators you agree with respectfully disagree with those that you don't I, you know you're all adults i know I'm, you know what to do you can call it 202-225-3121 that's 202-225-3121 as an i said the u.s senate should move quickly should move quickly to work with President Trump to consider and approve Judge Barrett before Election Day. There's not much radical liberals can do to stop the pick, but leftist threats of violence and court packing should not slow down the Senate one bit. Court packing, I already talked about that, where you have uh, the left saying it's going to basically break the Constitution by pushing through a court packing scheme that would increase the number of Supreme Court justices in a way uh, to counteract the justices that President Trump appointed. So what does that mean? It means in the long run, you could have dozens of justices on the Supreme Court as each party comes in and tries to expand the court to counteract the justices previously appointed. So Joe Biden doesn't want to say whether he's for or against it, which I mean takes to me, given the controversial nature of it, I, it seems to me that he's in favor of it. Otherwise, he'd say he's against it. So that's the big deal here in Washington, D.C, whether the left is going to disrupt the constitutional order because they don't, want the, don't get what they want politically. So this is why you need to be part, participate in the loss, uh, excuse me, in the in the confirmation process by letting your senators know directly what you think. It's now about 30 days before the election and the leftist efforts in my view to disrupt our whole process of voting uh, by significantly increasing the opportunities for voter fraud and chaos on election day are now in full swing. The mailing of the ballots to people who haven't asked for them are going out. 51 million ballots in total, 40- I think it's now 49 million ballot applications are being mailed out to people who haven't asked for them. Uh, as Judicial Watch is documented, the lists across the United States are filthy, meaning there are more people on the rolls than are there eligible to vote, and, uh, which is an indication that they're not cleaning the rolls as necessary, meaning that those ballot applications and ballots will be going out to people who aren't there or didn't ask for them and or died and moved away. So you're gonna have the system awash in opportunities for voter fraud. We had new information come out thanks to our great friends at Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, uh, where he videotaped uh, evidence of ballot harvesting that was illegal and actually vote buying. And of course, that is exactly why Experts have long advised that absentee ballots and mail-in ballots are uh, are riskier in terms of voter fraud because vote buying schemes are harder to detect when you don't have people showing up at the polls. Voter intimidation is harder to detect because obviously no one's watching what's going on behind closed doors. And on top of that, given the, cavalca- the, the kind of tsunami of mail ballots and our previous experience just as recently as this year with the mishandling of those ballots by election officials because they're not prepared, we're going to have major problems, it looks like. In New Jersey, during the primary, you had an 8% rejection rate for ballots coming in. In New York, in one jurisdiction, it was as high as 25% initially. And what is the less solution? Well, we'll just count ballots for days and weeks after election day. Now, you're smart enough to know that when you allow ballots to come in after election day and be counted with or without a postmark, that encourages voter fraud and encourages people to game the process. In California, they'll be counting ballots 17 days after election day. In Minnesota, they'll be counting ballots seven days after election day. The left is trying to get courts to change the rules to allow Post count, post ballot. Excuse me, post election day counting of mail in ballots. And Judicial Watch is doing its part, besides educating you, by uh, trying to make sure the rolls are cleaner and educating Americans that these roles need to be cleaned up. We successfully uh, pursued litigation in California, in that it resulted in a settlement that was requiring L.A. County to clean up as many as 1.6 million ballots, uh, excuse me, 6 million names off the rolls that shouldn't be there. Now, that's going to take a long time to do. So in the meantime, they're still there. The state still has too many people on the rolls. And why is that a concern? Because these inactive voters, even technically though, they may not get a ballot, and that's not assured. They can request a ballot or someone in their name potentially can request a ballot. It's a pool of names from which fraudsters can draw upon to engage in fraud. And in addition, the fact that the lists are so dirty, it suggests that the active names aren't as clean as they need to be. In Washington, DC, there's uh, someone posted online that uh, one address, uh, one person got eight ballots at an address in new york you had ballots misprinted a hundred thousand ballots are out there i don't know how they're going to fix it so they're sending me that you know it is it's so pernicious what's going on sending these ballots out to people who haven't asked for them it is so pernicious and it's disappointing the justice department hasn't done anything to stop it and so, what's the left planning? I mean, the, the, there was this the, the debate this week, and you know, the president's being you know forced to say whether he'll leave office voluntarily or will he accept the peaceful transfer of power. Well, if he loses, of course he will. But if the election is disputed, why would he accept the outcome? He's saying, I don't. Why is he supposed to leave office or not challenge the results if there if there's reason to challenge them? that's what they want him to do i mean the left has said on election day it may look like president trump wins and if we count the ballots after the fact and it changes the outcome of the results you're not allowed to question how that happened and you know what's even worse the big tech social companies are saying that if you do raise questions about it you will be deleted youtube has already deleted a judicial watch video because we raise questions about voter fraud we raise questions about the veracity of the list. This is an unprecedented attack or unprecedented intervention in elections on behalf of frankly one candidate and one ideology. Judicial Watch is a nationally recognized expert on election issues. And these leftists and big tech companies are going to be suppressing information about the risks to clean elections for ideological reasons. It's not fact-based, it's ideological. We have former, our our Rob Popper, Bob Popper, as our lead election law lawyer. He's a former civil rights attorney in the Justice Department. He was deputy chief of the voting section under the Barack Obama Justice Department. We have another attorney, Russ Nobile, who also worked in the Justice Department Civil Rights Division. And they're telling us we don't know what we're talking about, and they're gonna delete us. And censor us, of course, they're already censoring the president. Twitter's mislabeling information about the safety and security of mail-in ballots. You are more likely to have your vote intercepted, compromised, challenged, thrown out, or lost if you vote by mail. That's a fact. And to say otherwise is misleading people into using a less secure way to vote. I don't know, maybe they'll delete this video too, I don't know. So as I said, we've sued Pennsylvania and North Carolina to clean up their rolls just this year. Between the two states, there are nearly two million extra names on the rolls as we've uncovered. Two million extra names on the rolls. Pennsylvania, of course, you know what happens is you sue and the other side pushes back. And in both states, we have leftists trying to challenge us as well. So it's us versus multiple legal teams. And uh, in in uh, Pennsylvania, it's eight hundred thousand extra names it looks like on the rolls. And Pennsylvania comes back to us because we looked at their information there are three counties three big counties bucks county chester and delaware county among all, among the one let's see it's 4 4 and 4 is 8 and 3 it's about one uh, one over 1.1 1. 1 million names about a, at least over a million names registrations among them they removed just 8 and 5 is 13 17 names among the million registrants that they cleaned up 17 names that they cleaned up under the National Voter Registration Act. And they came back and they, you know what they had to confess thanks to our lawsuit? Oh, we gave the federal agency that collects this data the wrong information. It's different numbers. And you know what the problem is? Pennsylvania, the state has one set of numbers and the counties have a second set of numbers. So there's no evidence that they're valid. And even the numbers they came back with aren't enough to show that they're doing anything in terms of what they need to be doing in cleaning up the roles meaning it's just a small portion of the names that are likely needed to be cleaned up and they also confirmed that among 18 counties that have 25 percent of the registrations they've removed a total of 15 names under this mvra process and by mvra process i mean they need to take steps that so someone doesn't show up in an election, they send them a card, where are you, If they don't respond to the card or otherwise don't vote in at least two election cycles. So that could be, let's say, five, maybe potentially six years. They remove them from the rolls. So they're, they're removing, according to their own filings, only 15 names for a quarter of the popul- registration population under that process. The rolls in Pennsylvania are a mess. They've confessed it. So what's the solution? Follow the law, it's simple as I described, to begin cleaning up the names. In Allegheny County, when we warned them before we uh, started suing, Allegheny County, the, we, we, they said, okay, yeah, we'll remove 69,000 names, and they did it in one fell swoop because they knew they hadn't done, followed the rules. They already knew they had 69,000 names that had already lapsed in a way that allowed them to be removed. Just follow the rules. It doesn't, it doesn't disenfranchise anyone. It just makes sure the roles are cleaner. It it under it it when you have dirty roles, it can lead to dirty elections. The reason the law requires the names be cleaned up is to make sure, is to help ensure and reassure the public that the administration of the elections are fair and honest and that they're conducted in a way that it quite reasonably mitigates the opportunities or or, uh, quite reasonably uh, restricts or curtails the opportunities for fraud. So uh, we have more litigation coming to try to clean up the rolls. I'll tell you about that next week. But uh, you can see the litigation itself is highlighting the fact that we need to have the rolls cleaned up and uh, the fact that uh, they're dirty uh, is just making it more likely that there'll be problems on election day related to uh, people having confidence in the outcome. So that's a big deal. Next up, so we had this revelation from the Office of Director of National Intelligence. I forgot to pull it up, so I'm gonna have to go by memory here. John Ratcliffe is the uh, president's nominee who was confirmed. Uh, You remember Rick Grinnell was there for a few months as an acting head of the ODNI. And and Mr. Grinnell, uh, he was former ambassador to Germany for the president, uh, he went, as I said, on a transparency tear and released a lot of information and did a significant house cleaning in the Office of Director of National Intelligence. Uh, uh, John Ratcliffe has been trying to follow through by pushing for more transparency on the Obamagate scandal, the worst government corruption scandal in American history. And uh, he confirmed our theory of the case. What's been our theory of the case, you might ask? Our theory of the case is that the Russiagate smears were a knowing lie by the Hillary Clinton and Obama gang to distract the public and freeze the justice system from going after Hillary Clinton for any crimes associated with her email use and the evidence of crimes in her emails, such as pay-to-play and other things like that. Sure enough, it turns out they had intelligence that the Russians thought and had information that was the plan. The Russians knew that Hillary was making it up to keep herself out of jail and distract the public from that issue. Not only was that, it wasn't just like, oh, it wasn't like the fake Russia dossier. It was actionable intelligence. It was so actionable that John Brennan briefed Barack Obama about it in 2016. It was so actionable that it was referred to the James Comey and Peter Strzok of the FBI in September of 2016. And as you know, they covered that all up and there's no evidence they seriously investigated it. And it was quite obvious to everyone That's what the scam was. They were trying to freeze the Justice Department, freeze the public from looking at Hillary Clinton. And you gotta hand it to them. They've been successful, haven't they? Other than Judicial Watch, I've been telling you this forever. It's been about Hillary Clinton. Russia's been about Hillary Clinton. And in part Obama, because he was in on it. Obama knew there was no basis. For what Hillary was up to, he was given an intelligence briefing suggesting it was all a lie. And of course, all the information they were getting about the dossier contemporaneously further confirmed it was a lie because none of it was checking out, and they knew, in fact, that the guy pushing it was a Russian spy, as I discussed last week. Yet they still worked with them. They coordinated still with the Clinton campaign, even though they knew she was working with a Russian spy. So when the president calls it treasonous, I think he's right, but I'm sure you agree. And right now, Judicial Watch is the only one in court trying to hold Hillary Clinton accountable over her emails. And we're being opposed by the Justice Department and the State Department. And this information that they've been sitting on, which evidently was opposed for release by the CIA, I suspect by the Justice Department as well, given our experience, they've known about since the get-go. And you can bet john durham as soon as he got in knew about this and nothing's been done nothing's been done and i know you get frustrated and i get frustrated as well so what is it we can do all we can do is what we can do all we can do is get the information out and all john ratcliffe can do in some ways is get the information out since he can't prosecute anyone and hopefully that results in increased pressure for real justice and accountability in the criminal court process, in the criminal legal process. But I've been saying time and time again, I don't want to say I told you so, but what's frustrating is that we've all known as outside observers looking at documents that we were able to get over the objections of the deep state, that this is all a ruse decided, that, uh, uh, that was uh, out there to protect, that was being used to protect Hillary Clinton. And uh, now we know they knew it too. Of course, we kind of knew that too, right? Because none of it was checking out. So I don't know what Durham's doing, but uh, as you know, Judicial Watch is not going to wait for Durham. We continue our litigation. We're appealing the Hillary Clinton testimony issue. We're getting documents and pushing on what the corrupt FBI was up to, what the corrupt State Department was up to. We're getting disclosures that Congress can't get, that the media is uninterested in getting. So um, it's just great work by Judicial Watch. Uh, But it's frustrating because now we have further confirmation that there was a treasonous coup and malicious, seditious conspiracy against President Trump. Uh, We need justice for it we need justice for it and I don't know who's going to win in a month but Judicial Watch ain't going to stop and we're not going to stop because I know we have your support and I know you want us to do it right you want us to keep on pursuing what we're able to do through the courts and we thank you for your support of our work in that regard and you can bet we can can, we'll continue to push it whether or not it's a President Trump or a President Biden And frankly, in some ways, the Justice Department has been no different between Republican and Democrat administrations. So our work really just doesn't change. We just keep on plowing along. Keep on doing all the heavy lifting, as I say. So thank you for your support, and we'll be back here next week with another Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet, Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.